From Connects Media, this is Atlanta Born and Brand. I'm your host, Jonathan Hillier. Atlanta Born and Brand is a show all about businesses built right here in the capital of the South. But more importantly, it's a show about their founders. We wanted to find some of the city's most interesting entrepreneurs and creators, hear about their challenges, successes, and how they built a brand that will last. On this show, we're always looking to find entrepreneurs that have built new and innovative brands in the city. We've had guests from a multitude of fields, and this week, we're diving deeper into the tech industry. Dr. Bara Kola is a professor of mechanical engineering at Georgia Tech and the founder and CEO of Carbice. Carbice is a materials solution company producing Carbice Carbon, which helps to lower temperatures within devices from space satellites to laptops. We sit down with Dr. Kola today to talk about his journey from playing Division I football at Vanderbilt to joining the faculty at Georgia Tech and why he felt Atlanta was the best place to grow his company. First of all, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, super excited to sort of hear how you got, um, got to where you are and plugged in along this journey. But the first thing we like to ask, ask folks is um, if you meet somebody on the street and they ask you who you are and, and what do you do, what is the, what's the sort of the, the quick, you know, 30 seconds on down of um, how would you classify what it is you do now and how would you describe it to somebody that maybe wasn't familiar with what you guys are doing? I always start off by saying I do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So. Um, but uh, you know, what I do at Carbice is lead a company that has a technology <clears throat> that's vital for all electronics made, whether on Earth or in space. And so we enable these electronic devices to be reliable and functional. Mm-hmm. And the reason that we're needed is because all electronics produce heat. So anybody on the street, that problem is even 10 times worse in a data center. So that's what we do, is that we, we solve those hard problems of overheating electronics. And we do it with innovative technology that came out of Georgia Tech, where you know, that was my other job full time before doing this. Um, so it's, it's pretty cool stuff. It's, it's yeah. nanomaterials. So I always throw that out there too, because I think most people in the public have heard a little bit about nanotechnology, uh, what exactly that is besides we're making it and we use it and it's creating a lot of business value. That's cool. Well, you stole a question down the line of what exactly a carbon nanotube is, but we'll, we'll table that just for, you know, the time being. But, you know, when we're growing up, I think there's, you know, a few different jobs that maybe all of us sort of think of as kids as, oh, when I grow up, this would be cool. I don't know that, you know, the place that you're in now is something that, you know, most of us even think about as a, a possible path. Tell me a little bit about your story, um, you know, your schooling and, and what ultimately led you to such a unique, uh, unique and uh, intricate career path. I always tell people, look, if things worked out the way that you saw them and planned them, mm-hmm. then you would be a rare person that can predict the future. None of us can do that. Amen. So, so I think that you have to be comfortable with being where your feet are, as people say, and taking experiences and having kind of a, a goal uh, target in mind, but being happy with where you land. I, I grew up in Pensacola, Florida, 
uh, was born in Detroit, spent the first few years of my life there. But uh, in Pensacola, you know, it was a town where, you know, my father is a mechanical engineer, so I was exposed to engineering. But everybody else around me was, you know, working class folks. Uh, sports was big. And um, I, I did play football, I did baseball, I did all type of sports. So I wanted to be a professional football player. That was, that was my goal. You know, I, I said, hey, that's the way to have fun and make money. When I finish that, I'll dabble in inventing stuff because I like to invent things, <laughs> right? Um, but I did a lot of stuff as a kid. And I think that that's part of, part of why I'm where I am as Car at Carbice is because I did things like sports, Boy Scouts, other civic involvements. Uh, and when I went to college at Vanderbilt, I, I walked on the football team, eventually got a scholarship. But I went to where I wanted to go to do play football and to uh, be an engineer to nanotechnology. I didn't really go looking for it. I tore my ACL three times as a college football player, uh, twice before I was on scholarship. And during those periods of time, I needed to make extra money. So I took up research with some professors that I like. And I basically haven't put it down since. Um, I put it down periodically when I went back to sports, but uh, the last game when I was a starting fullback of my career, I tore my ACL for the third time and that put a, a nail in the coffin of my NFL dreams. Um, so I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I was doing that to try to figure out what, what I wanted my life to be. Um, then I went to, to grad school and I did that because I decided that being a guy from Pensacola, not really having access to a lot of capital and wanting to be an entrepreneur in a sustainable way, I needed to have a niche. And I decided mine would be nanotechnology. And so that's when I committed. It was 2005. I decided I would learn and become one of the most knowledgeable people on carbon nanotubes in the world if I can. And I just, I've been on that journey since. Uh, it's carried me through publishing 14 papers as a PhD student at Purdue. I was funded by Intel and NASA. Uh, I got a lot of um, uh, accolades at conferences. And as a result, got to consult for several companies. And I came to Georgia Tech in 2009. Uh, as a professor of mechanical engineering. And I continued that. I continued that. I started to work on ideas that I thought could be businesses one day. And through that process, uh, you know, graduated, you know, double digit PhD students, uh, you mentored or interacted with thousands of, of undergraduate and high school students. And then Carbice came along. And I tell people that, you know, that journey as a professor is a decade long journey, but two years into it, I started Carbice. Um, because I had a strategy to build something off of IP and I made the company focus on IP holding and development. Uh, brought on my, my CTO, Craig Green, the second year. And we spent four years just learning how to build a manufacturing company that could be sustainable. And so we took it from there and, and uh, you know, basically the rest is kind of history. I mean, we, we just started to get progress and traction. I had built a network in the, in the semiconductor electronics industry that allowed us to keep learning. We raised money from the Georgia Tech uh, related venture capital ecosystem. Yeah. So uh, Paul Judge and Alan Nance at TechSquare Labs, GRA Ventures, they, they led our seed round, gave us funding to, uh, you really started to, you know, develop the team more in 2017. And then just recently, we, we closed a $15 million uh, Series A raise 
uh, Downing Ventures out of the UK, but Toyota, household name, uh, Trump, one of the largest industrial companies, and several others to take it to the next level. Um, so it's a long journey. I, I, I would have never guessed that this is yeah. where I would be at this point in my life, but I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I, but I, to me, that was like something like my grandfather owned a bunch of rental houses. I, you know, that was kind of how I thought about yeah. entrepreneurship. <laughs> no, it's interesting because I certainly, you know, did not expect to hear, you know, about the points in your journey of, you know, athletics growing up and how football impacted you and even, you know, played a role in, in you know, where you went to college and your experience there. And it does sound like, you know, we talk to a lot of people about that, uh, that creator gene or that entrepreneur gene, just sort of being, being there um, kind mm -hmm. of all along and now being able to look back and see the roots of that. It seems like you've kind of had that all along. And then when you stumbled upon nanotechnology, you saw the opportunity of, okay, this, this maybe is the thing that finally gets, gives me the opportunity to, to really take advantage of this, this desire and passion that I've had all along to be an entrepreneur, to build something from the ground up. Does that, does that resonate with you at all? Yeah, no, it does. I mean, I think there's this uh, uh, cute picture my mother has of me in the second grade. I had a class project and I chose to be a, a Wall Street businessman. <laughs> and I'm, I'm dressed up. I remember that because I, I went to my grandfather's house, went through his closet, got his, his uh, bowler hat, put it on, nice. put a little fake mustache. Nice. And so I was about that back then, but I just didn't know what that really meant. And what I tell people is that when you think about being able to be successful, taking high technology out into the market, people don't often think to take somebody that may not be their primary focus is not just the science, but that they like it, take someone like that and send them to get a PhD and you get a different outcome rather than trying to take a scientist and turn a scientist into a business person. Sure. Um, so I, and I, it's just a different way to think about it. And I, I, you know, I wasn't smart enough to think that that was a strategy, but in hindsight, I see that how that's benefited me. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not a, a path that you see quite, I think as often as, you know, that other path you were talking about of, you know, someone who's got this deep love and, and lifelong, you know, interest in science that, you know, eventually has to go out and find, you know, a, a partner who thinks more business oriented. So it's cool that you kind Absolutely. of have experienced, uh, experienced that in, in reverse to, to a lot of folks in, in your field. I'm, I'm curious, Varl, what, uh, you know, I know Georgia Tech, I would assume played a huge role in bringing you to Atlanta. Um, you know, after your time at Purdue and, and after, um, you know, you were done with your, your schooling, but, you know, what is, what has kept you here? What about the city of Atlanta or even the Georgia Tech ecosystem has benefited you guys to the point where, where you've decided that this is where you want to make your home? That's a great question, Jonathan. So I, I'm, I'm a unique bird in today's uh, thinking because when I went to college, I only applied to three colleges. I applied to Vanderbilt, Georgia Tech, and Michigan. And I applied there because I, I had a good chance. I had a good feeling I would get into them. And they all played in big conferences. And I was going to walk on the football and I wanted to do sure. like that. Sure. So, so I say that to say that I came to Georgia Tech. I only applied to three schools as a faculty member. Georgia Tech was one, mainly out of strategic reasons. Um, I wanted to go to a good engineering school that was in a good city. 
Um, and I had a preference for coming back to the Southeast. So I, I used to take trips with my father because back before Amazon and the internet, if you were an engineer in industry and you wanted to buy an engineering book, you had to go to the engineering bookstore at Georgia Tech, basically. <laughs> so I remember from elementary school taking these trips. And I, 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 I said my father was really just making excuses to come up and eat at the original pancake uh, house because that was like Bill Clinton's favorite restaurant. They got famous. And so he likes, likes to make trips to eat. But, yeah. but we used to come to Georgia Tech and Atlanta all the time. So Atlanta's always been on my map and radar. And a lot of people from Pensacola have had family in Atlanta. So what a, what a great place to build something. And so I, I came here to Georgia Tech and it, it, they won me over because they have this Georgia Research Alliance, this state organized entity focused on helping uh, commercialize the IP and research that comes out of the university. And I thought that was a great fit. So, so yeah, I, I like it. And part of it, what makes me stay here is I like doing things here that people don't think can be done here. Mm. I like that type of challenge. Just like I like walking on to a, uh, a power five conference and you know beating out all americans and, and you know after two acls to get a starting position i like challenges and um atlanta is that type of city to me i feel like atlanta is the type of city that that has a i don't want to say atlanta has a chip on its shoulder but atlanta certainly has has a little swagger about how yeah. it approaches things and, I, and, so, and i think it's fair to say atlanta <laughs> has a chip on its shoulder yeah maybe yeah. maybe it does has a chip on its shoulder in a yeah. lot of ways you know whether it's like let's let's not get it twisted like our city has a, a checkered past and you know our city is we've talked about it with a lot of folks um, we have this underdog mentality in this you know like you know southern working class type of a, a work ethic type of a you know like you said a, sw a swagger is the perfect word to yeah to, absolutely yeah well I, and part of that too is people outside of the southeast have stereotypes about the south Sure. I mean, that's, this is a whole different conversation I can have, but I, I think, yeah. I, you know, I'm going to say something that will be shocking to people, but I think the Southeast is, has been and is one of the most progressive places in the United States mm. um, for various reasons of environment circumstance. When you go down to the micro level and look at the people, sure. um, people have, have had to deal with more. They've had to understand each other at different levels, whether they like what they understand or not is different historically. Yeah. So, so when you have an environment like that, what you see, what I see is potential. And so I, I like that. I mean, I, I, that's something to fold into the DNA carbice that, that, hey, it's hard building a materials company. Um, but we, you know, we've raised this round, a round, I think, and I, you know, I may not have all the data, but I believe it's the largest Series A that a materials company has ever raised in the Southeast, right? And it's pretty large. Uh, compared to anything going on in the country and globally. And, and so that's that's not a metric that we celebrate. We're not about raising money at Carbice. We're about serving customers and growing business and creating jobs. But it just shows that that if you just focus on the right things, you build a culture with authenticity, which we try to tap into this Atlanta culture with how we operate our culture, you can just do it. You can do amazing things. So I, I you know, getting back to your your question I, I love the narrative of being in atlanta i think it's empowering it's awesome so you know you touched on it a little bit but talk about the the ecosystem at georgia tech and why it's so uh friendly to tech companies to you know startups i know um what is it? atdc is huge at at georgia tech as far as a program 
um, that is just that just exists to provide this environment. Um, you know, we use the phrase a lot on this show of a, a rising tide lifts all ships, and that seems to be, you know, something that that the ecosystem at Georgia Tech really fosters. Tell me from the inside, how did what has that experience been like for you? It's been great. I mean, I, I, I like to think that I've been a part of that ecosystem just being on both sides as a professor, um, you know, as an entrepreneur. A rising tide, you know, lifts all ships is, is so true. And it's uncomfortable, frankly, to a lot of people in the academic world. What I like about Georgia Tech is that it is very collaborative and, and there is some value to things that aren't typically valued in other research uh, universities. And you need that because a lot of the learning and the benefits that, that I've received individually and as a professor and at Carbice has come from sharing ideas with people and being okay and open to do that and then getting feedback uh, through all of these, these, these mechanisms. Tech Square is an amazing place. I mean, yeah. just all of the the learning, I mean, I, I before I was ready for Carbice, I used to go and attend seminars at ATBC, uh, any talks that I could uh, hear from entrepreneurs or venture capitalists to try to get a different perspective. So it's, a, it's an invaluable resource that we have. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, you know, I think there's, first of all, let's go into uh, Carbice a little bit more in depth. You know, you talked about the sort of the origin story, but what was it? You talked about taking an interest in, in nanotechnology and what, what is it now that you see as, as Carbice's sort of main um, advantage in the industry? What is that, uh, that differentiator that is allowing you guys to this point? Like you said, not only to to raise the, the capital that you've been able to raise, but to begin to start that journey of really making an impact as far as technology goes. I think, Jonathan, you know, when things are hard, and, and anybody would objectively say that building a materials or deep science company from nothing is one of the hardest things to do in the company or uh, space. You, you really have to check many boxes of value to many different stakeholders in order to have success. And I, I was talking to a friend this week about this, that I was saying that when I look at building a business, it's building a community. Because if you don't think about it like that, it's too hard for you to be successful because you need a community to advocate and champion you. So I say that and say, okay, so look at Carbites, what makes us special we use this material, the carbon nanotube, which is a thin filament of carbon rolled up in a cylinder in the structure of the lattice, the atom orientation looks like chicken wire fence. I'm the country boy, so I related to chicken wire. <laughs> there you go. Um, right, so, so it, the atoms are light, the carbon-carbon bonds are strong. Those are the two things that make it the best heat transfer material that ever will be just the periodic table won't allow anything better because of that people have been excited about this material for almost 30 years i wasn't the first to get into it um, i got into it eight years after it had already been discovered so check box one take a material set that everybody's already excited about that globally the research community has spent over a trillion dollars trying to commercialize without a lot of success 
Uh, checkbox two, take the fact that the world that humans live in today is technological. Uh, look at all of us at home on our Zoom conferences, right? You can't do that without computer chips that are getting hot. So we live in this highly technical world, yet we still lag behind in getting the general population to be technically literate and science literate. So it's inevitable in the future to me that, that general education is gonna be highly science and engineering technology influenced in the future. So you check that box too, right? So you got this material set everybody's been interested in. You have this, this fundamental trend of, of human society moving towards technology. And then check box three, um, electronics are not going to get bigger and slower. They're going to get smaller and faster. And that increases heat density, which means that if heat density goes up, the ability to manage the temperature of the chip goes down, unless you have a new material that's fantastic. So that's checkbox three, that the trend in the industry is right. Checkbox four is that there actually has never been a company, and I know this from, from working at Intel, being funded through my PhD by them in packaging, there's never been a company designed from the bottom up to solve this problem of getting the heat out through a material to the chip, interface to the chip. So, so it's, a, it's a white space in terms of the service you can provide to the industry, not just the material set. Yeah. And so this is why Carbice wins, is, is that we, we built a team of thermal engineers, material scientists, we understand the material being the end game for performance. We understand the excitement that it drives, the opportunity in our community to raise the level of technology awareness and excitement. And we make a material that now is the only simple cost-effective solution that can be assembled for these next generation electronics without all of the baggage that has been in the industry forever related to solutions that were never made for that purpose in the first place. Everybody uses a, a, a liquid grease. They call it thermal grease or thermal paste. When you put a liquid between a computer chip and a heat sink and they, they heat up and cool down every time you play your games, the liquid pumps out because the materials expand and contract and they start a squeezing effect and it loses performance over time. Everybody knows that, but everybody deals with it. We make a dry pad that outperforms these solutions and becomes more reliable over long term. And when you think about autonomous vehicles and now moving computers into your car where it's hotter and there's more extreme environmental swings th these are the things that make car buys so attractive so so the only <clears throat> when i when i decided that it was time for us to really grow you know these technical check marks of value were always there it, it was really can you actually make it it's not about w whether this material and this platform is the future is like how do you make it how do you make it cost effectively how do you scale it with systems and people and that's really the journey that carbice is on in, in many ways it's a de-risk journey because of all those factors those it factors that, that, that i just checked on and and I, every time i get in front of a customer it always comes out in the presentation because it's so important that 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 they understand that you know this is not just another company selling another widget like we're in many ways helping to transform technology. And we're in many ways, we're also helping to transform manufacturing industries 
by the way we're bringing for the first time ever this type of nanotechnology to large volume manufacturing and there's so many ancillary things that built up that build up around that to support it it's a long answer, but I, I mean, it's, no, no, like no. I said, it's, it's, there, it's there's a, a lot, lot of boxes layers. Checks. <laughs> there's a lot of layers there and just the opportunity, like you said, you know, there's opportunity in white space uh, in problems that we as a society have had for so long that we just accept them as problems and yeah. that we can't, uh, there's nothing we can do to fix them. So where successful entrepreneurs and, and creators and inventors come in is when they see that and say, okay, well, why can't we fix that? Um, why, why can't we create something better? Now there's some uh, conspiracy theorists and, and I'm sure there's some, some truth behind uh, this and some technology aspects of, do we want to create longer lasting products, uh, you know, from a consumer standpoint and from a, a business standpoint of, you know, a new iPhone every year type of a, <laughs> a, yeah, a framework. Yeah. But yeah. at the same time, as creators, we should be striving to create better products. Um, as inventors, we should be striving to create longer lasting, more sustainable um, products for sure. And that kind of leads me to my next question for you. And, and you just let, did. Let, let, me, let me say one thing, John, before you sure. get into that. Sure. Because this is a very important point. Yeah the use of carbides always lowers the cost, mm. right? And so, so one of the things that is problematic about electronics is the way they assemble things. Mm. And it's actually, that is the greatest hidden cost to all electronics manufacturing is the cost related to assembling the thermal interface. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like one company, you know, you buy these materials for dollars or pennies on this, you know, cents on the square inch one company saves $500 per square inch in manufacturing costs. And I say that because you're right. I mean, the trend may not be to have an iPhone that lasts forever. Now there's some markets where like cars, where you buy regulation, it has to last for yeah. a long time. But in other spaces, it's about product speed to market and mm -hmm. increasing their margins. This is what I mean by checking every single box. Like when I go through with an investor and like go through what it is that Carbice does for the customer, the market, for the world, there's probably 10 boxes we check. But at the end of the day, people who care about making money, you know, we're going to lower the cost of, of the bill. So I just wanted to, to put that out there because it's, yeah. lots of people ask me, what does Carbice do? And we are a thermal material company. One of the things I'm, I, I'm famous within Carbice of saying is that nobody buys better thermal performance. <laughs> yeah and you know it's it's that extra layer of okay we're creating something that ultimately is going to make the consumer's life better but we're also creating something that has major value add for the manufacturer um, as far as um, you know like you said creating more margin creating you know easier uh, assembly line processes all those things so that's really really cool to hear and um you very eloquently explained that to a layman like me who does not have the, the scientific or technology background. So I appreciate that. But Thank you. that does lead to the, the next question that I wanted to ask you in researching your company. I think, you know, typically, and whether this is fair or not, a lot of 
like you said, deep science technology companies have a reputation for not being great on the messaging side, on the branding side, on the, you know, explaining consumer value side. And in limited research on your company, it seems like you guys have placed an emphasis on bucking that trend and kind of going in the other direction. Um, brand is important to you as a, um, you know, deep science and technology company. It, it's apparent, which is not, you know, a super common thing in your industry. Uh, is that something that you've thought about? You know, we talked about your, your entrepreneurial sort of uh, spirit and, and uh, you know, gene, so to speak. Is that something from the beginning you thought, okay, I don't want this to be a in the background tech company. We're, we're going to make an impact and we're going to do a good job of telling the story of that impact. Yeah, I mean, so part of our value system is to be authentic. And a lot of what Carbice is reflects the personalities of people, you know, who put Carbice together. Sure. Um, I like to have fun. Like, I'm a serious guy. I work hard. I do a lot of things. But, um, you know, I've always, I used to make my own t-shirts in college. I actually, my sophomore year, I went through one of these moments where I decided I was only going to wear t-shirts. And I made these t-shirts that, you know, on Monday, I wore a t-shirt that said Monday. You know, <laughs> <laughs> right? And I just, I love the reaction I got from people from it. And so I've always been interested in, you know, consumer response, if you will. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that when you look around at what your assets are for anybody in any situation, they are what you have. Hmm. We have Atlanta. Um, we got the culture of Atlanta. We have Georgia Tech. We have who we are. And our job, and this is what I tell my team, is to magnify all of that. Right. It's like hip hop in Atlanta. You know, we'll, we'll use it. Right. Um, we we will use Georgia Tech. We will use the coolness of the Beltline. Right. We, we will try to take advantage of everything that we have to our um, advantage in a very authentic way. And so that's what brand is to me. I mean, brand's not a not a strategy. It's it's an authenticity. And that's why I say that we're so aligned with Atlanta because we, we just love what it is. Yeah, no, I love the way you said that brand, you know, you need to create a strategy around brand, but your brand in, the, in and of itself should not be a strategy. It should be a reflection of who you are. Uh, it, should be, it should be the story of, uh, you know, what your, your product does, what your values are, um, you know, what's important to you. So well put in that regard. All right, Bara, I, um, you know, this question can go a lot of different ways for folks. And so I'm interested to, to hear your thoughts on this. But when you think about Carbice five, 10 years from now, do you have uh, tangible goals as, as sort of the leader of this, of this movement and of this company of where you think it can and should be? Or are you more of a leader of, hey, let's do the best we can. Let's stay, you know, short, sort of short-term, micro-focused on the things we're working on and the company will go in the direction it needs to. What are your thoughts on, on the future and where you'd like to be? I, you know, I'm, I'm bold and confident in talking about long-term vision mm -hmm. while staying focused on the short-term, right? I, I think that both of those are so important in a journey that is inherently long. Um, we want to be, we're, we're out here, to make Atlanta famous, to be famous, to be the reason that the 
electronics industry moves to Atlanta and Georgia because they want to be where Carbice is because they like what they see and they see how it's affected business bottom line, right? That's the big, you know, hairy audacious goal. Um, but, you know, we stay focused. I mean, this year we're going to be moving into a facility. It's going to be 20,000 square feet. We're going to 100x our capacity. We're going to hire, continue to hire great people. I mean, we just hired you know, superstars out of industry to come in and lead different business functions. So that's the goal this year, it's just the people capacity, right? And next year we got to go, uh, I have a theme for every year uh, that I tell the team, right? Last year, it was to be thoughtful, to be more thoughtful. And this year is to be grateful. And part of that is just to keep us grounded because I do speak to these big goals. I do think that, that at some point every electronic device made will have carbice in it right and you, you think about 25 billion square inches of silicon sold uh last year um that's a lot of material um and i and i have that confidence because of science and you can't have it alone because of science but it's also the combination that the science said it was the way to go it says that it has a lot of defensibility and why it's the best solution but then the confidence comes from my team and, and what we've done and it's the execution and moving forward. And so, so yeah, it's, it's, you know, I, I'm kind of saying we, we think of it in both you know, ways that you mentioned. Um, and I think that that's so important because the real fuel of Carbice is the excitement for the mission. Um, and then you just have to figure out how to manage that energy so that you, you know, you don't burn yourself out, you know, with, wrong expectations about how fast things will happen yeah but but you live in the moment while it's happening right and you enjoy every every day and you know every year that, that you make progress sure i heard uh, a quote recently and forgive me for not being able to attribute it but uh the the gist was i'd rather fail at something that is ultimately going to succeed than succeed at something that's ultimately going to fail uh and that seems like that seems like it's super applicable for what you guys are doing because when you're working with, um, you know, science to the level of, uh, that you guys are and you're working with technology, you're bound to have micro failures. Yeah. But as you talked about with just the opportunity that your technology provides long-term, uh, it's bound to succeed somewhere, someplace by someone. And if it takes micro failures on, on your part to ultimately realize that dream of, of ultimate uh, acceptance into the marketplace and in true realization of what your technology can provide, then, then ultimately it's a, it's a worthwhile journey for you. So absolutely yeah. <laughs> in your corner in that, in that regard. So. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I just, just, I mean, so uh, relevant. I consulted for a company called nano conduction when I was a grad student mm -hmm. that was commercializing the exact same material structure with the exact yeah. same idea. And they raised 35 million. They had success. And they didn't make it. And it, it's not that the technology wasn't the right technology to solve the problem. It's just the time wasn't right. And that's the thing is I tell the team at Carbice, look, you know, we're doing this for the community. It's, it's Atlanta, but it's also the CNT, the carbon nanotube research community, because at the end of the day, it's going to happen. Um, we just want to take our best shot at being the ones that make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. And push the, pushing the ball down the field to use yeah. the, you know, to use a, an appropriate uh, analogy. So awesome. Well, Bara, thanks so much for your time. We're glad to have you in the, 
in the city of Atlanta, you've been here long enough at this point that, you know, you, you're atl and all the way. So uh, awesome. great meeting you and hearing your story. And, and we look forward to catching up with you down the line. Thanks, Jonathan. This has been a pleasure. We love the A. Let's represent. If you're interested in learning more about Carbice and the products they're producing, you can find them online at carbice.com. Atlanta Born and Brand is a production of Connects Media. We're a full-service digital media company focused on helping small businesses tell their story in the most effective way they can. If you'd like to tell the story of your business, we would love to help. You can find us at connectsatl.com. Make sure to subscribe to Atlanta Born and Brand in Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to be listening. If you like the show, we'd really appreciate a review and a rating. And of course, share it with your friends. Keep up with the show on social media. We're at ATL Born Brand on Instagram and Twitter. And you can also like our Atlanta Born and Brand Facebook page. Finally, you can find all the previous episodes of the show on our website, atlborn.com. For Atlanta Born and Brand and Connects Media, I'm Jonathan Hilliard. Thanks for listening, and I'll see y'all soon.